Last week, when we gathered together, Zach was looking at restoring the body. And today, we are looking at restoring the mind. And we live in a time, don't we, where we see brokenness in our world. And that has an impact on us in so many ways, including our minds and our mental health. And I feel as if I need to start this morning, I guess with a bit of an apology, because we are gonna be tackling subjects this morning around anxiety and mental health. And there's no way in 20 minutes that I can do this in a really in-depth and detailed way. So I'm sorry if it feels like we are just scratching the surface. To some extent, we are. But we want to encourage you to continue this conversation, to make space in your communities, to be open and honest and vulnerable with one another. Because the reality is we have to be better at talking about this, better at having the conversation, looking at what the Bible says, what professionals say, what we can learn from one another, those of us that are battling with mental health and those of us that aren't. And I know that for some of us who are sitting here today or even at home, it may well be that you have heard from a church at some point words around these subjects that have been unhelpful or hurtful. And the reason we need to get better at this conversation is because even if we think about the media just this week, when the Olympian Simone Biles withdrew from her team in the gymnastics on the grounds of mental health. Social media was an explosion of both comfort and criticism. And so my hope and prayer today is that whether we are here in person or at home, that we will find out together more of what Jesus says and that Holy Spirit will speak to us together today. I'm going to say a prayer before we look at these very powerful verses from Philippians together this morning. Heavenly Father, we invite you to be here with us, to speak to us afresh today. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 will come up on the screen, but if you have a Bible with you or a phone, please do follow if you would like to. The verses say this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The most important thing to say, and if it's the only thing that you hear today, is that our minds, our thoughts, our mental health is important to God. God cares about what we think and how we think it and what we feel and at times when anxiety takes over and clouds our clarity of thinking. God cares. And we live in a world where there's lots of different things that we are sometimes bombarded with of ways to help with our anxieties at times. Really helpful things. But as people who love Jesus, it's so important that we look to what the Bible has to say. 
And so as we unpack these couple of verses in Philippians, it's good to have a little bit of context as to where they come in. So just before these verses, Paul has actually been addressing two women who have fallen out, and he's trying to help them restore their friendship. But when we get to verse 4, the shift as to who the audience is changes, and it's for the church. And in verse 4, there's a command to rejoice. And then in verse 5, Paul calls the church to be gracious and gentle. And N.T. Wright unpacks that verse a little bit more by saying, exuberance must not turn into mere extrovert enthusiasm, which squashes sensitive souls and offends those who are by nature more quiet and reserved. So one could say that actually this is reinforcing the fact that church should be a place and a space for everybody. Regardless of our temperament, our background, our personality types, we should be able to come together and learn from one another. And then this is building us up to the command that we are focusing on in verse 6 that says, do not be anxious about anything. Now before we delve a little bit further into this, it's probably important to say and to recognize there is a difference between worry and anxiety. I don't know anybody who has never worried about anything. The worry that you feel before an exam, before a driving test, something like that. If you're somebody who's sitting here today or at home and you never worry about anything, then please do, by all means, have a snooze or send me an email because I could learn a lot from you. But there is comfort in these verses for us today. Whether we are somebody who has worries but also for some of us who really struggle with anxiety and mental health at times, which has a real impact on our day-to-day life. And the reason that this is applicable to all of us is because in the ancient pagan world, anxiety was a way of life. With so many gods and goddesses around, people lived in a heightened state of anxiety, unsure as to what was actually going to happen at any given moment. And you could say that there's some similarities in our world today, where we live in moments of putting our, I guess, our kind of hope in our job, in our relationships. And when those come crashing down, we ask a lot of questions. But you see, what Paul is doing here is wanting to share a command that stands out. He is wanting the church to see that God, the one true God, has revealed himself through Jesus and is different to the gods and the goddesses that they have put their hope and their trust in. The one true God can ease anxiety. And ultimately, Paul is wanting to share and show that life with Jesus is different. God loves, God cares, God wants to bring certainty into our lives. And that is a comfort to each and every one of us. And so in verse 6, when it goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything, 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. As I've said, this is a command. It's not a suggestion, but it's not an angry command. It's a command that comes out of a place of love. A command that is encouraging us to bring it all to him. All our fears, all the anxieties, all the worries, all of the battles that we have in our minds because God cares. He wants to help us, help us to tackle that worry, help us to tackle those anxieties. And so what does it look like for us to live in a place where we're trusting in that truth even though at times things around us are still hard and cause us to question. You know, for any of us that have a relationship with Jesus, we can testify to the fact that it's not easy. Following Christ was never a promise for an easy life. No guarantee against suffering, against fears, against mental health or hard challenges. But the promise is that the one true God is in control. He does care and we can come to him. A few months back, a contestant of America's Who's Got Talent started to circulate through social media. Jane Markowatsky, known as Nightbirdie in her Instagram, sang this song that she had written and her voice was incredible. But the blog post that she wrote as a 30-year-old woman entitled, God is on the bathroom floor, explained that after she was diagnosed with cancer and told she was dying, her husband left her and she said, the bathroom floor became my hiding place. She went on to say this, I am God's downstairs neighbor, banging on the ceiling with a broomstick. I show up at his door every day, sometimes with songs, sometimes with curses, sometimes apologies, gifts, questions, demands. Sometimes I use my key under the mat to let myself in, and other times I sulk outside until he opens the door to me himself. I'm sure many of us can relate to finding God in or on the bathroom floor, in our car, on the top of a mountain, in our bed, places and spaces that we wrestle with God. Or maybe, if we're actually honest with ourselves today, we've been bottling it all up and just been carrying on regardless. It doesn't have to be that our situation is exactly the same as Jane's because God cares however big or small our worries may be. Maybe you're joining us today and there's worry around the fact that you don't have a job right now. Maybe it's that you're unsure as to how you're going to pay the next bill. Maybe it's the anxiety of an illness or seeing a loved one struggling with life. Maybe it's standing up, speaking in public. Maybe it's having a panic attack. Whatever it is, because the list goes on and on. Fear is a very real emotion, as is anxiety. And when our mind can become overwhelmed, it can paralyze us. And it can sometimes feel so hard to even find God in amongst it all. Or when we do cry out, God can sometimes feel a million miles away. But as we hear in these verses, he will never let us down. He is there for us. I do firmly believe 
that whether we are on the bathroom floor or whether we're just plowing on regardless, God cares. God is there, the one to bring certainty. And it's not only through these verses in Philippians that this is spoken about in the Bible. On many occasions, the Bible speaks of not worrying, talks about anxiety, and over 360 times, it talks about not being fearful. So if you haven't heard the first point that I'm trying to make, it's the simple thing of the fact that God cares. God cares. And holding on to that truth, when we're going through battles in our mind with mental health, feeling overwhelmed, carrying worries, seeing a loved one struggle, maybe that's the first step to trusting him with it all. But you may be thinking, well, that's all well and good, but it's not easy. You would be right. It isn't easy. And at times, maybe even particularly following the pandemic, as a church, we feel called to be rebuilding the walls of our city. What does that mean? How do we love people and show love when actually at times it can feel really hopeless? I recently looked at some statistics that a piece of Scottish research had had done by a mental health foundation and they'd surveyed over 2,000 Scottish adults and the results showed that actually the first statistic that came out was a positive one and anxiety about the pandemic has fallen amongst Scottish adults from 64% of those surveyed in March 2020 to 44% in February of this year. However, loneliness has risen from 11% to 29%. Fewer Scottish adults feel that they are coping with the stress of the pandemic. Feelings of hopelessness have risen from 15% to 20, and 10% of Scottish adults in 2020 said that they had thoughts and feelings of suicide, and that has risen to 13% in February of this year. I don't know how you feel when you hear those statistics, I know for me, at times, I think, what and how do we respond? What can I do? What do we do? God cares even more than I do. And of course, church, family, we do have a responsibility to respond. But maybe the first thing is to be just better in the conversation around this. So you might think, okay, well, we've said do not be anxious about anything. Maybe that's the key. We just don't be anxious. We just get on with it. We just don't feel the anxiety. Or when we see people around us, we just say, come on, calm down and just get on with it. No. Actually, at times, that can be really unhelpful and make it worse. And I studied psychology at university. Feel, feelings and emotions are very real things. There's so many definitions of them, but I really love this one from Psychology Today that describes feelings as a complex reaction pattern involving experiential behavior and physiological elements. In effect, they are the way individuals deal with matters and situations. And studies have been done that show that feelings are actual neurological events that happen in our bodies. So just saying, get on with it is not going to help. We have to understand this better. And as we've heard from these verses that we're looking at today, 
prayer is a place and a space to do that. But maybe as well as coming to God in prayer, we can actually learn from others and share ideas with one another. And that's what I did in preparation for today. I actually contacted some people in our church family who are very open and honest about their mental health. And they've given me permission to just share some of the things that they have found to be really helpful, helping them to stay close to God in amongst it all. And I guess the reason that I think that is important is I liken it to this. I have a back condition, which I've had for over 10 years now. God could completely heal of that, heal me of that. But until that happens, what I have had to do to be able to function, look after my children, is I've had to do daily exercises. At times, I've had to take rest. At times, I've had to stop doing things that maybe I've loved. And at times, I've had to do things I really don't want to do, like sitting for hours with ice on my back. It's not comfortable. So maybe we can actually learn from one another as we look to um, God and as we try and find restoration of our minds in and through this all. And one of these friends that I asked said this, anxiety can make us feel very real and very scary things. Feelings in and of themselves are neither wrong or right, they just are. Feelings are real, they are there for a reason, but they don't have to have a grip on us. They don't have to control the reins. And this friend of mine goes on to say that part of um, her healing story has been God gently teaching me how to validate my feelings on the one hand, but also to recognize that just because I feel a certain way doesn't mean that this is what is happening in reality. So I feel scared right now, but I know that my feelings don't always reflect reality. So maybe learning at times to separate our feelings from the reality of the situation can help us. And coming to prayer, coming to God in prayer, journaling, using mindfulness practices can actually be really helpful. But is it easy to do that when we don't feel like it? Is it easy, as these verses talk about thanksgiving, to actually practice thanksgiving when we don't feel like it? God invites us to present all of our thoughts before him, as we've seen in verse 6, and goes on with the thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Rick Warren, a church leader, puts it like this, if we say thank you for something that we see, that is fact. But if we say, if we say thank you for something that we can't see, that is faith. Let me just say that again. If you say thank you for something that you can see, that is fact. But if you say thank you for something that you can't see, that is faith. When I shared that quote from the vocalist Jane at the beginning, she went on in her blog to say that prayers roll over my nostrils and drip down my forearms. They fall to the ground as I reach to God. 
These are the prayers I repeat, night and day, sunrise and sunset. I will say thank you for mercies, even though I don't mean it, and I will repeat it until I do. Isn't that an example of prayer and petition and thanksgiving in amongst the fear and the mess and the chaos and the pain? And maybe there's other things that we can do and learn from others. Another of my friends from this church that I asked said that she, when she feels anxious, she will make a list of 10 things that she's grateful for because as she does that, the anxiety starts to pale in significance. And this is what she said, which I think is brilliant. Anxiety is like a magnifying glass. It makes us hyper-focus, but by practicing gratitude, God is handing us a wide zoom lens, which allows us to step back from our problems and see the bigger picture. Having that big perspective enables us, hopefully, to find God in amongst it all. Knowing God cares is important to remember. Coming to him in prayer, practicing thankfulness and maybe some of these other techniques. Because what Holy Spirit wants us to know is what is spoken about in verse 7. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit wants us to know that peace, a peace that is beyond anything. And at times, maybe we think, oh, well, peace will just wash over me like a feeling. And maybe sometimes that does happen. But one of my friends that I spoke to said, sometimes we have to actually practice that peace, even when we don't feel peaceful. Practicing the opposite to what we are feeling, the anxiety, the worry. And for her, the opposite is to come into a point of worshipping God, coming to him in praise and saying, I don't feel like this, but I recognize that you are God and I am not. And so I come to you, I give it all to you. So that's our second point for today, is learning these practical steps, sharing these techniques, learning from one another, crying out in prayer, trying to separate our feelings, or practicing thanksgiving, practicing peace. Not easy, but important to do. And at the start of the pandemic, we as a church made a decision to put together some helpful tools and resources on our website around this. Things to do with meditation, breathing techniques, mindfulness. Because ultimately, it's about finding what works for each and every one of us. It won't be the same necessarily. We're all different. Some of us, as we said at the beginning, it might just be the odd worry. But for some of us, it has an impact on us day to day. And that leads us to our final point. It's not easy. Holding on to God's love is what is so important to do in and amongst this. And another of my friends from this church said, it's the unconditional love of God that keeps me following him. Because it doesn't matter how much I fail, God is still there. 
This is reassuring, but doesn't make it easy when I have such a heart to make a difference, but can't do what I dream of doing for God because of my mental health. This is hard. I know I have on countless occasions with conversations that I've had with loved ones, I have cried out to God, desperate for him to take away their pain of depression, of loneliness, of anxiety. And all I've been able to do is continue to dig deeper into Jesus, into these words of truth, and encourage them to do the same. Clinging onto these words that we've heard in Philippians, or verses like Psalm 27, verse 1, that says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And sometimes, in some seasons, we have to do this on a daily, on a weekly, maybe on an hourly basis, holding on to these words of truth. Because our minds are not experiencing that in that exact moment. And I know that you will have heard so many times, the world says to us, you can do anything, just put your mind to it. But that can often not be our experience if actually our mind is not in that place. And because so much of the time we're relying fully on just us. I can't do anything without Jesus. So when it says you are enough, I always want to say you are when you fully know who you are in Jesus. When you know that God equips you and takes you on the journey with him. And the last question that I asked one of my friends was this. What do you think God has to say about mental health and how has that helped you? And he said, for me, it's actually been a means of grace. Being weak makes me more dependent on God. It keeps me humble and sympathetic to the challenges that I see others facing. Finding God's strength in our weakness and not relying just on ourselves and our abilities and independence is the only thing that is going to enable us to keep seeking God and his kingdom. So let's remember today that God does care. Let's continue to pray about our own mental health, about those who we love around us and we know who are struggling with this. For Scotland and beyond, where sometimes it can feel really hopeless when we hear those statistics. Let's share ideas of what people have done and tried and techniques. And let's be a church who do what we heard in verse 4 and 5 and 6 and 7. Be a church who rejoice. Be a church who are gracious and supportive. Be a church who are trying to help one another to not be as anxious. And to continue this conversation, as I said, in community or in the cafe here on a Monday to better our understanding. But let's always acknowledge this is not easy. We need to keep coming to him. Holy Spirit offers us this peace to help bring this restoration. But you see, our minds 
will always believe the stories that we tell it. So let's choose today to feed it stories of faith, feed it words of truth, and feed it love. <laughs>